Isn't that cool? The baby comes flying out of there, right? I like this. You know, usually I'm doing this after Thanksgiving and go, man, alive, I'm so full. One of the reasons I wanted to do that is, is to slow us down. And that if you're anything like me, that you, you probably have read, heard the story a trillion times, right? But to have slown, to slow ourselves down to meticulously go through each word. And so what I want to do tonight is, is that tonight I'm actually going back to a thing and going, how in the world does this fit? And it does. Uh, we're going to go back tonight. And I'm going to pick up the scene where we left off with Peter a couple of weeks ago where he was having a hard time with Jesus washing his feet. You remember that? And we connected the fact that Jesus assumed the position of the immoral woman who was the one that the Pharisees said that was immoral when she was washing Jesus' feet. And that Jesus took on that role beautifully and started washing the feet of the disciples and yet they started pulling back from it, and especially Peter. And there was this cool statement in it where Jesus says, you're already clean. And so I want to pick that back up. And so we're going to finish that up today and we're going to connect with another scene where Peter is, is, is having another conversation with God and uh, it's just beautiful and then the following week we're gonna we're gonna pick up Joseph and we're gonna watch Joseph how he said yes to a woman who came and told him that she was going to become the carrier of the Messiah and he does flinch He does flinch, but yet he had to come and get reassurance. Reassurance was sent to him by God. And so that's great news, guys, And that God is one that wants to assure and comfort through our doubt, through our, through our heaviness, through our times when we just don't see how it's going to happen. And then the following week, we're going to end up with Mary and uh, just the coolest reveal story ever. And then I think that will take us up to Christmas Eve and we all know what that's all about. Jesus! Constantly. All right, so open up your book to John 13. We're going to go back to that moment. Man, it's screaming hot in here, isn't it? It is hot. Pop loves it. All right, John 13, we're going to go back to the scene. Jesus had sent uh, Peter and John to the, uh, Peter and uh, James, was it James or John, to go set the room up. And, um, and it's coming time and, and they're washing the feet. And they're all looking around and Peter, we get to this point right here, John 13, where uh, it says where <laughs> Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Verse 7. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No! Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replies, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And what he's meaning there is he's saying, I have to wash you. You have to be a part of me. 
I abide in you, you abide in me. And this washing, this ceremonial washing is cleaning you, Peter. And see, it's a big deal. We're going to see how big, big a deal that is because that's how these guys lived their life. They were either clean or they were unclean. And so this penetrated Peter because he says, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. And so Peter knew what that meant. He connected with it and he said, well, then, uh, then wash my hands, my head as well. <laughs> wash every bit of me. Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, and I love this, and this is where we're going to start connecting. Jesus replied in verse 10, he said, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, except for one. But not all of you. And he's... So just a quick question, what is he how is he referring to someone being clean or not? If he said all of you disciples are clean but not all of you are, what is Jesus basing that on from what we have read right there? Anybody hear that? Believing. Believing. Here's what the here's what the word right here clean means. When Jesus says you're clean, he's saying you're a part of me. You abide in me. If you kept going and read John 15, it's the verses that you'll have seen a ton. It's the vine, right? I am the vine. You are the branches. You abide in me and I abide in you. And the thing is, is that we say those a lot as a, as a body of believers. And if someone were to come up and press into that a little bit and say, well, how do I abide in him? How do I know I belong to him? How, do, how does he know that he belongs to me? And the thing is, sometimes that recoils us and we get a little afraid of those, those questions. But these guys would have known. It has zero to do about your effort. has everything to do about who Jesus is. And that your righteousness, your cleanliness, your being clean is all based on Jesus. And if you, if you went back, if you took the time, here's how big a deal it is. If you go back and just kind of do a word search for the word unclean, okay, you'll see it over a hundred times, depending on the particular translation that you're looking at. And over 80% of those are in Leviticus. It's the Levitical law. It's just a plow to read through, right? It's just, if you do this, then you have to do this. And so you are either ceremonially clean or you are unclean. That's how their lives were lived. And what they're saying, you're either accepted in this moment or you're not accepted. And so Jesus in his washing, Jesus coming in is changing how they are cleaned and he's changing it from belief to unbelief. He's changing the focus. Because if you go back and look at Levitical law, it's all about what the person can do to stay in good standing with God. God did that on purpose, gang. <laughs> he did that on purpose so that we could see that there's nothing, no way, any whatsoever that we can attain this righteousness, this acceptance of God without Jesus. It's his way of showing our need for a savior. 
And then the world goes, well, why do I need a Savior? What's the importance of that? Well, eternity's a big one. But let's get past that one just for a second. What about today? What about in this moment where the guys are and they're having their own feet scrubbed up? Why was that important for Jesus to make sure that, gang, you've got to know who you are in me and I in you? Because there's going to be particular ways that you're going to want to travel through life, and it's either going to be in your power or it's going to be in my power. And which one is it? And therefore, there's the, the battle with our, within ourselves constantly, right? And so Jesus says, so let's pick up Peter. I want to show this again, um, that if... It's in Acts 10. Go ahead and find that. It's in Acts 10. Now, as you're going to find that and we start talking about clean, think about that the scene where the lady was determined immoral, and I got my hand up in the air, right? And think about how when the guys spoke down upon her and said to Jesus, if you knew who she was, you wouldn't even let her touch your feet. And so remember, we've even, we've, we even ask ourselves, who are the people in our circles that we have deemed that, and have we ever put that on ourselves? Here's an example. If you've ever gone through life and you believe that everything in the world is forgiven except your stuff, then you've placed yourself higher than the cleaning of Jesus Christ. He's cleaned you. He's, he's washed your feet. And a lot of times I put mine up underneath the table and say, well, man, tell you what, Brandon, he did clean you up. But my stuff, he didn't quite get that. It's kind of braggadocious, isn't it? It's, quite honestly, it's very arrogant. And so what we're saying here is going that Jesus in his incredibly empowering way continues to teach because, gang, they didn't, the boys didn't know what we know today. As we read it, it's unfolding for them. And so they come away from that e event having their feet washed and, and probably shaking their heads going, Jiminy Crickets, is he saying what I think he's saying? That we know longer that if I touch something that is a particular hoof that I'm clean? Especially for women that on your cycles that you are, you are almost banned from being around people. For 14 days at least. Had to go back. And even Jesus would make people that after he healed them, he would make them go back and say, present yourself to the priest to show that you're clean. And now he's starting to change them. Your cleanliness is coming from me. So let's go back here to Acts 10. By the time we get there, so now there's a lot of stuff that has, that's been going on in the lives of Peter and the gang. Okay? Pentecost has happened, and what that means is that's the blowing of the Holy Spirit arriving on the scene. And there was 3,000 that came. So the numbers went from 120 to 3120 real quick. 
and we've said in here often, how would you teach them? How would you teach the 25 if you were part of the 120 and you didn't have the book? And so Peter and the guys are living life, and this is unfolding for them as they continue to live life. A lot of stuff they have seen, miracle upon miracle. Heck, they've, had, they've been in jail. They've been told not to speak the name of Jesus anymore. They said, there's no way we can't help but speak of his name and the power of him within us. And so by the time that we get here, we're going to see him on a roof <laughs> in Acts 10. And it's almost like he's in a food trance. <laughs> I can relate. I kind of get in those trances whenever I go by donut country. You get in a fog. <laughs> but before we get to him in the scene of on the roof, there's this old boy named Cornelius. He's a Roman officer. And he's had a vision. And God, through the angel of God, goes and tells Cornelius, hey, there's a guy named Simon Peter. He's staying with a fellow named Simon, a tanner. And I want you to go see him. I want you to talk to him. I want you to have a conversation with him. Because, see, the angel told him, he said, God has heard your prayers. He has seen your uh, gifts to the poor and how you're taking care of them. He's got something else for you. Now, he's a Roman officer. And he's asking him to have a conversation with Peter. So he sends his, his entourage to go find Simon Peter. And so when he finds him, here's what we see. Simon Peter is on the roof, and this is in Acts 10, verse 11. And so now Peter is in this trance, he's in this, and he's having this vision. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. It's picnic time. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. Listen to his response. No, Lord, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. Let me say that again. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. Peter was struggling with the old, wasn't he? I've never eaten anything that's been declared unclean and impure by the Jewish laws. He just had his feet washed. He just, he just heard that he, he just had the Holy Spirit of Christ blowing through him. And yet he's still having a hard time with tradition. He's still having a hard time with the way that I used to do things. He's still having a hard time determining that his cleanliness is solely on Jesus. That he's still at times pulling in the old to be accepted. Especially, do we ever get into this when others are around us that we go, man, oh, so, how do we, let me, let me push pause on that. How do we determine when someone loves Jesus? What's your litmus test for it? And you can't use going to church every day. 
How they love you. Did y'all hear that? What else? Fruit. Fruit. What else? Freedom. Freedom. What else? What do you see in people that love this guy named Jesus? And you attach the two. You just don't say, hey, he's a good guy. You come out of it and go, wow, she loves Jesus. Has to. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so Peter makes that declaration. Listen to how God responds. Verse 15. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Class, how does God make things clean? My belief in Jesus. Jesus has, has, Jesus has redeemed mankind. You either believe that or you don't. Jesus has redeemed everything I would ever think, say, or do, or not do. From now until they put me in the dirt. Goes for you too. Anything that you've been holding on to, Jesus cleaned it. You don't have to claim it anymore. And so God is teaching him. He's saying, look, Peter, I want to unbind you from yourself and stating that you're good with, it, with yourself and how you're following the law of what you eat or don't eat. Cut yourself loose. And so when Peter hears the words, you are already clean, I wonder, I just wonder upon wonder if he went back to the time when his feet were being washed. So why were the guys of Cornelius sent? Listen to what Peter tells them. The guys come and get Cornelius. They tell, I mean, Cornelius' entourage comes and gets Simon Peter. They said, hey, we've got a fellow that wants to talk to you. The next day, they travel back to, um, to Cornelius' place. And by this time, Cornelius has invited everybody he can think of to get to his house. He's a Roman soldier. You understand what he stands to lose by bringing Peter into his home and having him chat with him? He's an officer. He stands to lose everything, and he's throwing it all to the side because he wants to talk with Peter, whom God told him to go get. And so he comes on the scene, and when he comes in, Cornelius immediately drops to his feet, Peter says, no, 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 no. We're the same, bro. You stand up. You get up here with me. And then in 28, listen to what he tells him. Peter told him, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Now, let me put my hands back up in the air. Or immoral. <laughs> That's fabulous news. Have you placed yourself ever in unclean, impure, immoral, untouchable, beyond reach, unworthy? That's a good one. Low self-esteem. Which one do you keep dragging? God's going, man, I've cleaned you up. 
And so how does this connect? Well, look at verse 36. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Isn't that what we're preparing ourselves for in the coming of Jesus? And that I can't really prepare myself, I can't really get too excited about Jesus coming if I don't know what it means for me when he arrives. That if I don't understand what that means for me individually and how that releases me to the world, then it's just another baby in a crib. But when I realize and take on the fact that this baby is the one that has empowered me, that has cleaned me, that I'll never have to worry about being in right standing with God anymore, that's something to celebrate. <laughs> it's something to get really freaking excited about. And to cut yourself loose and go tell it on the mountain. That there is joy in the world. And they see the joy starting with us in our world. Man, oh man. Are you ready to go tell it on the mountain? <laughs> are you ready to go tell it on the mountain? I believe you are. I know you are. And the thing is, is that take Cornelius' place just for a second. Who are the people that you would invite into your home? To make sure that they know that the baby in the manger is the one that has taken everything on him to make you clean. To make you acceptable. To give you his power. To give you full rights. That we're sitting at the right hand of the Father. And it all starts in a manger. It's incredible. So I just want to close. By reading Hebrews 10.22. It says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts. Fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Amen. What a beautiful name he is. What a beautiful name he is. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you, uh, Lord, that, uh, that we are preparing. For a world, they may look at that word Advent and have no idea what it means. And so I pray that as we go into our schools and universities and we go into our offices, Father, as we go back into our homes, that, that we're preparing our hearts to continue to receive who we are in you. Father, that we are preparing in how we continue to celebrate life and knowing that we're fully accepted. And that Father, like Cornelius and his family, that he was willing to just strip himself of self in order to hear and be at peace with the good news of Christ. Father, thank you for incredible yeses that we continue to see in this book. Father, thank you for incredible yeses that I continue to see in people's lives sitting in this room. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.